Hello, welcome to the TY podcast hosted by Michael and Abby. This is the first podcast of Cross and Passion College Kilcullen. There are five different groups talking today, ranging from modern world problems to movies. So our first topic is conspiracy theories on what I believe to be were the parents to blame for the disappearance of Madeline McCann. Let's hear what they have to say. Personally, I think that Madeline's parents had something to do with her disappearance. When Madeline's mum went into her room and seen she was missing, she screamed, they've taken her and also closed the window. The mum let people into the apartment and let them touch everything and people think it might have been her way to destroy the evidence and the parents refused to do a lie detector test on it. In my opinion, uh, I think the parents done it as well because the, because of the way she said they've taken her. What does she mean by they've taken her? Like who has taken her? And also um, they were having dinner at a tapas bar that was about 30 minutes there and back. Like it took 30 minutes to get back to the table. So that is a bit far to leave your children just while you're going to have dinner. And at one point, Jerry went to watch a match. Um, but the time it took to watch the match, it was also enough time to walk to the coast and back. Um, in my opinion too, I think that the parents did do it just because um, when they went in and they found out she was missing first like the door slammed shut because the window was open and then she closed the window but they found out she was missing at around 10 o'clock and then she obviously all her friends and everybody arrived at the apartment at like quarter past 10 but they didn't ring the like authorities to come and like start investigating as soon as they can they waited like an hour or so to actually ring them so I just thought that was a bit strange um, I think that the parents did it. I think they gave Madeline like sleeping medicine to make sure she'd sleep while they were out. But I think she had a bad reaction to it or like she overdosed on it. And then they didn't know what to do. So they just got rid of the body because there was blood found in the boot and like behind the sofa and all. So that'd be a bit weird if they got the car like 24 days after like she was missing. It's also a bit strange that the parents didn't stay in the resort for that long and they left after a while and went back home and they didn't return often and it did take the authorities five days to send out an official missing persons report which is a bit suspicious and also that they didn't use the babysitter service provided by the resort and there was also like cadaver dogs involved in like the investigation and they found traces of blood in the boot of their car the rental car and behind the sofa so I thought that was just like really strange and then the night that she did go missing like if that was me I would have set up to like try find her but they decided to go to bed like to go to sleep A close friend of the McCann family seen um, a, a man holding a little girl that looked a lot like Madeline walking past and at the time she didn't think anything of it but once they found out Madeline was missing she thinks it might have been her. Um, for that, like that was Jane Tanner and it was actually ruled out because the police spoke to that man and he said that he was getting his daughter from like his the child place in the hotel. But to be honest, I can't see a 
parents doing this to their child because the bond between a child and the parent is very strong so if they did have something to do with the disappearance there might have been a reason that we no one knows why um because i just can't see a parent uh killing their child or having something to do with their child to go missing some people um also think that like she was taken from the apartment when they were at dinner and traffic because at the time there was a lot of traffickers like in the area or something she might have left the apartment on her own and gotten into an accident so yeah um also that i was said that when she went into the apartment and madeline wasn't there that she left to tell everyone but she left the door open with the twins still in there and i just don't think someone would do that after finding out that their child's missing Um, when they found out she was missing at 10 o'clock, everyone was in the apartment within 10 minutes. They rang the authorities at 2am. Was it a coincidence? Wow, these conspiracies really do get you thinking about what did happen to Madeleine McCann. Okay, next is a group having a debate on the education system. Let's talk about that. So what do you guys all think of our education system here in Ireland? Um, I think certain subjects are... Uh, put towards academics and kind of leave out creativity and then also I think certain subjects are not needed in the sense of like they we don't use them all the time. I would agree with you somewhat but I think that certain subjects like English, Irish, maths and another language are important for the rest of your life because you will end up using them in some part of your life. Um, well, I don't do Irish and I haven't since in fourth class and that goes along for a lot of people in Ireland and I think it's a bit ridiculous that it's needed for college applications and because I just don't have that and it's because I'm dyslexic and that's not my fault so I, there's nothing I can do that about that. I can see where you are coming from and I do agree that you shouldn't need Irish for like certain courses in college that you almost definitely are not going to need Irish for but I do think that we should keep doing Irish in our schools because it's an important part of our culture and heritage and uh, a lot of people will say that the language is dying out and they might argue that this is more the reason to stop doing it but I think this is more of a reason to keep doing it so it doesn't die out and we can keep our language. Um, only like under 10% of Ireland actually does Irish outside of school so I think it is a dying language and I don't think there is a need for it in schools as it's forcing children to do an extra subject that is just not needed because we don't use it in after school so. That is a very valid point but I now want to branch off into a different aspect of the school education system. Um, another point is that kids can't express themselves that easily and one way they express themselves is by dyeing their hair or styling their outfits which they cannot do because there is a rule on that. I agree with you completely I know from personal experience I don't like the uniform it's uncomfortable and I don't feel comfortable in it and one of the easiest ways for people to express themselves is through how they dress and the school doesn't allow that which I think is unfair. Um, I feel like they should add even a bit of colour into the uniform because everything is so dull when you look at the students and even in class which makes, I think they just try to 
they want us to be calm and just they don't want us to mess in class or be disbehave or anything like that I get your point but um there's some kids that just you know not don't really want to get up early in the morning and pick out an outfit and I can also see the point of it being easy to access a uniform I agree with that too, but I think people who don't want to wear the uniform should have the option. It would get messy, but like, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Okay, it's good that we're not. Also, the quality of the jumper is actually disgraceful. Um, every single jumper I have gotten within like half a year has ripped at the sleeves or at the trim, so it definitely needs to be improved. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. I like I do believe that the quality of the jumpers has to be improved, has to be improved. But I think that they are really handy in the morning when you don't want to have to think about making up an outfit. And back to what uh, was said about the hair color. I can see where they're coming from, but it's quite like an old fashioned way of thinking. They're kind of like preparing you for jobs that might have specific requirements for you not to have like over the top hair or like, ex like loads of piercings. And, but I do think the hair rule on the color is kind of a bit far. I don't think that's very necessary. And I feel like especially in secondary school, that's a time when kids need to express, themse express themselves and find out who they really are. And I feel like dyeing your hair will help and styling your outfits and doing stuff like that would help you find yourself. And uh, yes, I completely agree with you. Um, jobs have certain requirements like nurses. They obviously can't have a lot of piercings for more safety reasons than anything. But school is not a time to be restricting teenagers. It's a time to let them figure out who they want to be. That's all we have time for for now. But join us next time where we'll have a more in-depth discussion into this topic. Wow, guys, that was very interesting to hear about. Our next topic is uh, stereotyping. Hello, and welcome to a stereotypical podcast where we discuss some common common stereotypes. I'm Nicole, and with me today we have Roisin, Kira, Brandon, and Jack. Our first stereo stereotype is that we that women belong in the kitchen. How do you feel about this? I believe that the reason this is a stereotype in the first place is because decades ago this was the case. Men usually went to work and women would stay at home to do the housework and take care of the children. But times have changed and things are a lot different. A lot of places still don't treat women with as much respect as men, but as years pass it's improving. Both men and women can cook in the kitchen and it's very different from decades ago. Women have a much better and stronger role in society and men and women both have a role to play in the kitchen and in the workplace. In conclusion, no, women do not belong in the kitchen and it's not just their job and shouldn't be up to them to cook. Some very interesting points here. What, what are your opinions on the idea that all Arabs and Muslims are terrorists? A big reason for this stereotype is because of terrorist group ISIS who have become very popular over recent years. Unfortunately, these are the group of people that, sp that spring to mind for a lot of people when they hear Arabs and Muslims. But the truth is that they are a very minor group of Muslims and the rest of, th of the Arab and Muslims community are everyday normal uh, people. Just like us, because it's because of the very, very small amount of people give them a bad image when the truth they're normal humans just like us.
Wow, some fascinating ideas here. And finally, how do you feel about the view that boys are better at sports than girls? The debate between boys and girls have been going on since the beginning of humanity. The truth is that neither gender is better than the other. When it comes to sports, males have a slight advantage because of testosterone, which males have more than of women. It gives them a little more strength, but this does not mean that they are better at sport. Uh, to be good at sports, some people, regardless of gender, are naturally born with a talent for sports. But you have to be, you have to train and practice to be better at something. Whoever puts in the most effort will get the better outcome. And the more dedication you give something, the better you'll be at it. Gender shouldn't be a factor involved at determining who is better at a specific sport. Thank you all for joining me today. Next week we'll be discussing some new topics with a new panel of guests. Thank you for listening. Thanks guys, I definitely agree with that. Uh, next up is a debate on whether the Saw movie is good or not. My name is Connor and I'm joined by my co-hosts Aaron. Hello. And Jack. Good evening. In this episode of Hateable Masterpieces. Today's topic is the Saw franchise. This episode has been sponsored by a generic VPN company. Don't trust us, we got hacked. <laughs> so, can you briefly introduce our listeners to the franchise, Aaron? Well, Saw movies are basically a group of people are put into a situation where it's, well, kill or be killed as they're put in a load of traps where they have to, where something from their past is used against them, drug addiction, alcoholism, and they have to find a way to get out. Anything to add, Jack? Um, not really. I think Aaron summarised it pretty well. It's a series about people with a lot of moral and personal difficulties being uh, tested by a serial killer in order to see if they are worthy of living on by giving up their vices. Very interesting stuff. So, Aaron, what's your opinion on this franchise? I think it's total whack. <laughs> right. Jack, from our pre-broadcast talk, I got the impression you're quite the fan of the franchise. Um, well, yes, I am a fan of the franchise. The first three movies, I think they work well as a trilogy of movies that tell one large story. But from the fourth movie onwards, I will concede to the fact that they do degrade in quality. But it's a degradation that works in a sort of comedic way where you can enjoy ironically like uh, Wiseau's The Room, for example. Right. So, what would you be? Yeah, what would be your favorite movie, Jack? Favorite movie? Um, no better than the start, in my opinion. It's a great introduction to the scenes, what is going on, and the ending is a. It makes you think, just to say it without spoiling anything. Right. Very interesting, Aaron. What would be your favorite movie? Probably the first or second one. They both are very good movies and can work by themselves. Watching them back to back is really good as well. So, on to the interesting stuff. The traps. I know very little about the Saw franchise, so Aaron, what are the traps like? I think the traps are... Um... Here, let me say it. Uh, in my opinion, the uh, traps in the series, they are a sort of physical and more lethal representation of the vices that each of the victims are put into 
and it's a way of true self-sacrifice they are able to escape it and avoid death yeah what he said <laughs> so is there any particular traps either of you favorite to put it lightly as they are quite gruesome i know of one the reverse bear trap that's a classic one of my favorites as well pretty gruesome when we get to see it in action one of my favorite parts of the later series which are all total whack anyway what film is that from jack uh that's the seventh out of eight films that the reverse bear trap is seen in action but it does appear in the first film so there's eight films in the franchise how has it lasted this long it didn't it's whack like i've said before and i'll say it again garbage anything to add jack uh, the franchise was seen as the movie that you would see around Halloween because they were produced rather quickly by Halloween each year and people come around to see them mainly for how creative people would be killed off, I will admit that, but there's also the factor of how the hell does the story work together and that's what I find probably the most enjoyable thing for me. So the story is rather complex? No. <laughs> complex in a... Uh, how do I put it? It's complex in a way that Tarantino tells the stories. Hang but on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. You can't compare the Saw movies to Tarantino, okay? The first two are pretty decent, but Tarantino makes like a masterpiece. This is like, um, it's like comparing the Mona Lisa, okay, to Garbage literal garbage the first two are pretty good and then it's just trash from then on I'm sorry you can't compare the two there's no comparison well I do agree with that in a certain sense but when if you would let me finish <laughs> the uh, comparison Tarantino is sort of it's like a Tarantino mixed in with those weird psychedelic colour pictures you'd see from 60s it's like two vastly different things combined together to make a rather complex and Sometimes confusing story. Are we watching the same movies? I'd say so. <laughs> so, I remember, Jack, you saying it took you a very long time to learn the plot, if there even is a plot. Yeah, it took maybe a year or two in order to remember every single detail of the plot. It would probably take a lot shorter amount of time if you just get the general gist, but for me someone who likes to analyze things very in depth it's sort of a thing where i want to know every single minute detail and get every single last ounce worth of the story which took about a year or two i will admit how can a story about people being trapped in extraordinary situations be so complicated surely it'd be simple to make well no because they keep adding these pointless twists trying to replicate the first movie which, which is similar to, basically, the first movie is someone's lying on the floor dead, turns out they're not dead, and they're the killer the entire time, okay? Pretty decent twist. Sorry for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, okay? But every time after that, they just try to replicate it again, like, oh no, somebody else in the room was the killer the entire time? Who knew? And they were working with the killer since, like, 1930? It's very confusing. Doesn't sound like my type of movie, but, Jack, I'd probably guess you disagree with that. Yeah, the twists uh, can get a bit stretched out at times, but the story doesn't look at just the victims and the traps. It also looks at 
the police who are trying to get to where everyone is located before too many fatalities happen and it also looks on the serial killer side and his philosophy and why he is doing these killings so in these movies are characters really important yes and no you have like three main characters that you want to get through and the rest are just adding to the kill count at this point they just want to make it more gore to get it over that PG-13 rating so people people actually think it'll be decent. So then nothing but cannon fodder? Um, well, there are some forgettable characters that I can't remember off the top of my head, but majority of the characters who are put into these scenarios, they are sort of put in there because they met the serial killer before the movie happened while even realising it and slowly over time they realize this is why i'm here and i got to sort this out before i end up dying and filming styles is there anything that makes these movies particularly unique transitions in the first two or three in the first two or three movies someone would walk through a doorway and it would then cut like with them walking through the doorway onto like a street or something then into like the crime scene which was a very unique shot in the second movie and like in the first movie there's the iconic shot of him yelling game over and slamming the door into the dark that's also a really iconic shot those are mainly the two standout ones so you both agree those are the only two um i'd say there are a couple more good uh scenes like in the second film the ending of the first shot was recreated in order to uh, emphasize the first sidekick that was revealed and I believe when the first uh, apprentice or sidekick to the serial killer was revealed I found that really good and um, that's the first scene I can think of off the top of my head that is also really good other than those other two Interesting debate, strong arguments from both sides. Unfortunately we have come to the end of our segment and I will have to leave to call an ambulance for Aaron has been stabbed by Jack. Thanks for listening See you next time That's a pretty good debate on both behalves, but it still wouldn't make me want to watch the film. Next, we have a discussion on modern propaganda. Hello and welcome back to uh, Crack with the Boys. I'm here with James, Tyg, Oscar and Michael. And what are we talking about today, Oscar? So we found a show in a free computer class that's suspicious enough called uh, Montu Pathlu. And um, my colleague Oscar is going to explain what it's about. Montu Pathlu is a very strange animated kids TV show. It's set in India with the two friends, Motu and Patlo. They live together and they're both 40-year-old inventors. Now, it seems innocent enough until we get to the episode Army. The Army episode takes place on India's Independence Day, where Motu and Patlo end up getting seemingly conscripted into the army to fight against an unnamed enemy, which is presumably Pakistan because of the presence of Pakistani flags. The army claims they were tricked into giving the land to Pakistan and so are attempting to take it back. The weirdest part about this show is its absurdity. One of the characters can literally fly if he smells food. He flies across the Indian-Pakistan border and he begins to eat all of their food. When he's finished eating, he then uses some sort of weird matrix karate moves on the Pakistan's Pakistani soldiers attacking him. And so after he takes out the presumably Pakistani soldiers, he finds an aer- or a helicopter and he 
him and Patlu hop in the helicopter and fly it upside down up to a tower where there's Taliban members holding a bunch of Pakistani civilians hostage and they start taking them out with the airplane blades and they make the Pakistani or Taliban soldiers jump off and it's very confusing just the whole thing is an absolute just a mental just episode of a mental TV show and I don't know what to make of the whole thing what can you think? What can you make of a tug? To be honest, I'm not sure of what to make of the show. In one way, it could be a harmless TV show that we're looking into way too much. But on the other hand, it could be a propaganda tool used by the Indian government to indoctrinate children. Besides this sinister possibility, the show is oddly funny. Well, it's funny in such an absurd way that it would probably really stick with Indian children. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they remember the plot as in India good presumably pakistan bad yeah so that was um motu patlu thanks very much for listening guys we've been crack with the boys Schlater. Schlater. okay well i generally don't know what you get up to in your free classes but i'm actually quite worried uh that's a oh uh thank you for listening we've been your hosts michael and abby and hope to see you next week on the ty podcast Yeah. <laughs>